Do you know the Klingon proverb that tells us revenge is a dish that is best served cold? All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best? You got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. And with that familiar music, you know you are listening to your podcast. And welcome to part two of our roundtable discussion on revenge. But before we get to that, we have someone on the podcast phone line. Please introduce yourself, Adam. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name's Adam Perkins. I'm 31 years old. I live in Cleveland, Ohio. A big pod- podcast fan. I've uh, been listening since pretty much the beginning. It's an honor to be on here. Did you ever hear that song by Alex Bevan? I'm a skinny little boy from Cleveland, Ohio. Absolutely. Yeah. That's... Absolutely. I was never that skinny of a boy, but I spent a lot of time in Cleveland. <laughs> I'm pretty skinny. <laughs> well, God bless you. God bless you. Before we get into your little revenge story and your bit of history, we're going to check into the podcast mailbag. Just want to say hi to everybody first who's on the uh, podcast Facebook page where there's tons of great commentary going on. And just like to say hello to Devin Fox and Jeff Wiley and Chris Sinzak, Paul Stam, Cameron Duty, Jody Havnot, of course, Phoenix Field, Jeff Hoagland. Uh, just a lot of great people. Uh, Thomas McCulogy. I'm sorry I destroyed your last name, Thomas, and Mark Lowe. Hi, guys. So, But occasionally we get some cool emails, and here's one that we got. And this is from a gentleman by the name of Jack Broad. He said, hey, guys, just want to let you know how much I dig the podcast. I've been going through a pretty dark time over the last few months and recently found all the various KISS podcasts on iTunes and YouTube. Podkiss stands out among all the others as being one of the best in the bunch. Aw, gee, thanks. You guys are definitely fun and entertaining to listen to, and it gets my mind off of all the other craziness and uncertainty in my life at this moment. One of the things I'm really digging on is when the host of all the various podcasts do guest appearances on each other's podcast. The reason that I listen to most of these podcasts is that I like the viewpoints and the overall vibe of the host, and when you get the host two great podcasts together, it's very entertaining to listen to. Keep doing what you're doing. P.S. I also love the Kiss Room. Fantastic. So, yeah, the Kiss Room's a great show, and props to Matt and the gang over there. And uh, yeah, Porter's a great guy. Yeah, he is, he is. And, you know, all the guys in Kiss Science Theater and Decibel Geek and just everybody. I don't have time to mention them all, but it's just so cool. And that, that that's one of the things I really enjoy is uh, hanging out with our Kiss Army bros on all the different shows, and it's kind of like its own Kiss Network if you want it to be. So, Do you enjoy any other Kiss-related podcasts? I listen to as many as I've been able to find, to be honest with you. I uh, I was just listening to Kiss Science Theater last night. Those guys are spot on. If you're like a real Kiss nerd, I was laughing at things that most people would have no idea what the joke was. I love those guys. Podcast, obviously. Jody Havnots, Strange Ways is great. Mm-hmm. The Kiss Room is the radio station that i wish existed on uh, terrestrial radio <laughs> you know yep absolutely all of that stuff and the neat Great. thing with all the different pod kiss podcasts you can string them together however you want and have your 24-hour kiss radio station if you want so it's kind of cool been like that for months yep and here's <laughs> here's our last little bit this is actually from a post on kiss fact but i thought it was worth mentioning monster 64 writes finished listening on my way to work yesterday great show believe it or not podcast 86 was my first introduction to your program the podcast is a lot of fun and i'm really looking forward to revenge side too 
Where my wife and I live in South Georgia, I don't know anyone my age anyway who shares my passion for the band. So it's been great for me to to discover things like your podcast and participate on this message board. Thanks for what you do. So that was pretty cool. And he went on to share his thoughts about Revenge Side 1 and his thoughts on Kiss as well. He talked about how Gene's material was really strong on uh, Monster and Revenge. And that was something that they kind of had in common. Mm-hmm. And I kind of agree with that. So, Adam, uh, you're younger than me. I'm a I'm an old codger at this point, and you're a young <laughs> codger. So, uh, <laughs> how 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 old are you? I'm 31. You're 31. And how did you find the podcast first of all? I was listening to actually to uh, it's called the Joe Rogan Experience. Ah, yeah. You heard it? I, I was listening to that, and uh, I stumbled on it, and I was like, wow, this is really incredible. People like really talking about different subjects. And I thought, wait a minute, there's got to be a KISS podcast. So I typed it in and found the podcast and uh, Three Sides of the Coin at the time and, and things like that. And I was like, in heaven. Oh, wow. Because like, oh. honestly, here in Cleveland, I don't really know anyone else uh, that has a strong connection to KISS like I do. Mm-hmm. I know there's tons of fans in Cleveland here that, I mean, obviously are as big as fans that I but I just haven't really met that many of them. So I've basically been accumulating this knowledge since I was like 10 years old with no one really to talk to about it at all. So it was great to hear other people. And across you know, I, the I digital waves. And across the digital waves you found Yeah, us. absolutely. And you I met some really amazing people, really nice guys. Yeah, you and are ladies. not alone. <laughs> <laughs> so why is Revenge your favorite album? You know, it, I would say it's one of my favorite albums uh, based on the fact that it really seems like Kiss, for for years they were firing on all cylinders from the first album all the way up to, I'd say, right around Dynasty. And then after that, it seemed like they kind of wavered a little bit, which I'm, everyone knows. I would um, say not a little bit. I would say they totally lost their way. As a, even, even, <laughs> I didn't want to say that. but Even though it's enjoyable, because I love The Elder, absolutely. I love Unmasked, I love Dynasty, but they, they they definitely stepped off the tracks of what they did at their best. I, th- I think the reason I like the stuff where they weren't firing on all cylinders is because those songs aren't overplayed you know i haven't heard those songs so many times that you know it's to the point right i i almost not don't want to hear them anymore but you know asylum there's there's tons of songs on uh you know killers has a couple songs and, and the elder is great but it seems like when revenge came back along everybody was on the same page gene wasn't interested in making movies for or i think he realized that his movie career wasn't quite <laughs> gonna be uh he wasn't gonna be the kevin costner of the 90s or anything so revenge really hit hard i like i um, i heard the first segment of the revenge and some people didn't necessarily like domino and things like that but i really feel like gene was like all right i'm back in kiss let's do this again and the image everything matched up perfectly now you didn't get a chance to experience this firsthand this is something that you went back and looked at and what do you think of when you see the band now and then you see the band then what what are your thoughts i feel like uh number one eric singer is one of the greatest drummers i've been a drummer my whole life i mean i took years and years of lessons i was in bands forever eric singer is the real deal um i love peter chris he's my favorite drummer of kiss obviously but eric singer is the absolute perfect person to uh kind of carry on uh, Eric Carr was great as well, but um, I think that 
the band really, really meshed at this point. And, you know, I remember the very first Kiss memory I have, actually, is the video for God Gave Rock and Roll to You. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember seeing that, not knowing really who Kiss was, not having any clue. At the time, I was, like, into Motley Crue and right. things like that. And that video came on, and I was like, what is this? This is incredible. And from then on, I kind of started going backwards. It took me a couple years to kind of grow up old enough to uh, have my parents take me to my first concert of Kiss, which was Psycho Circus, which is great. I missed the reunion. I was still a little young. Um, but going back, you know, you you find little uh, gems in their catalog where you're like, wow, this is really when they were all together and on the same page. Mm-hmm. And this is, I mean, the album speaks for itself, really. And you also recently purchased the reissued vinyl that i did i'm i think may 26th is it is when the second phase of uh the albums are coming out yeah yeah yeah. uh yeah this was the one i was like i have to have this one because it was so expensive for a while just because vinyl wasn't uh a main platform in the 90s when it came out uh so it's kind of hard to get a hold of but the reissue is amazing um it's exactly like the original on 180 gram though it sounds great it looks great if you're deciding whether or not you want to spend the 30 40 dollars for it i say absolutely go for it 100 well i want to thank you for being on the show and for stating your opinion and uh we're gonna try and get you on again sometime uh i'll just say this Adam Perkins, you're a powerful and attractive man so thank you very much thank you why don't you introduce side two our, our discussion on side two. Take it away, Adam. And here's the podcast with side two. Very good. <laughs> well, we finally Thanks, managed to make this happen, so. Yes. I'm one of your hosts, Ken Mills, and. I'm Gary Schaller. Today we are joined by the ever hairy Matt Porter. BJ What's up, Cramp, Kiss Army? BJ Cramp. Hello, hello. And Chris Sinzak. How's it going? And the other Chris, Chris Karam. Howdy. So we're talking about Revenge today. Glad everyone is here to talk about a record that uh, I think reinvigorated the Kiss Army to a great extent. I think we'll all be talking a lot about the impact that this record had on sort of the faith that fans had in Kiss, particularly after um, the 1980s and, and so on. Of course, that is Revenge. Mm-hmm. All right, it's time to flip the album over. Everybody get ready. Hold on tight. It's kind of like on the Star Trek show where the everybody wiggles in their seats for a while. So here we go. Okay, side two. Okay, well, let's go to Heart of Chrome. Okay, Gary, your thoughts on Heart of Chrome? Eh. I'm, not, I'm not really that... You know, I, Revenge as an album, I, I enjoy a lot. I prefer side one. Heart of Chrome is the kickoff to side two, and I don't think it's that strong. Uh, no, that's that's a judgment. I should say I I don't really like it that much. I think it sounds too close for my tastes. It sounds too close to Tough Love. Mm, yeah, well, we it's all ba- think similar that. riff, right? Digga 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 digga. You know, it's the same thing. Chris Karam. Well, this is um, as we talked about on uh, Tough Love. This is the sister song to that, and I think of the two, this is the weaker song. But I do like the part after the solo where it goes da na 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 that build up. Um, other than that, there's really not a heck of a lot to say except that um, Paul references the BBC in this song, and I, I guess that's cool. 
Chris Sinzak? You know, it is it is very similar to Tough Love, but I actually I think this one's the stronger of the two personally because I think the chorus is better because as BJ mentioned, the chorus for Tough Love is pretty bad. But and I think if I remember right, I heard something about the whole sold our conversations to the BBC may have been something about Samantha Fox if I'm remembering right, but I don't know. Um, Vinnie Vincent was also involved in writing this one, and I heard this was the song that he and Paul were working on when everything broke down and he left. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit of Vinnie history for you. You know I'm going to bring that. Of course. You're our resident Vinnie expert. BJ? I think it's an alright song. I definitely like it more than Tough Love, but... I don't. I think many of Paul's songs from the '80s, like I've said before, are way better than this song, in my opinion. And also, if you take away just the different production, I don't think this song is really much different than most of what they did in the '80s. I just never bought into this idea that the '80s were some kind of wrong turn and revenge was them getting back on track. A song like "Heart of Chrome" would fit fine on "Animalize" or "Asylum" or anything. It's not really any different besides maybe the production, you know? Right. Matt? So, you know, that's interesting the way when Chris, when you said that that might have been about Samantha Fox, because I always wondered if that was actually if he was referencing somebody and that had really happened. And really, where are those conversations? Is there a website somewhere where, oh, hello, I have to tell you, Paul and I went bowling and he wasn't very good. And, you know, where, you know, where, that was Martha Quinn. But the yeah. uh, where is, uh, you know, where are those uh, conversations that she sold to the BBC? It's like, what's up with that? And would the BBC buy a conversation about Paul Stanley? No, really? I don't know. <laughs> Crazy Nights was pretty big over there. Yeah. It's an okay song. It's not my favorite. I do like it better than tough love I'll say that much track thou shalt not this is actually one of my favorite gene songs on the album i actually was working at a place where a guy 
told me that I would get further in the company if I wouldn't listen to Kiss all that much. The guy had, the owner of the company had become a born-again Christian. And during my review, he literally told me that I would get further with the company if I quit talking about Kiss so much or enjoying Kiss at work and things like that. <laughs> and I, I kind of felt like this song, you know, you can kiss my ass. So. <laughs> a true story from the Ken Files. Matt Porter. <laughs> Yeah, I, I kind of agree exactly. I think it's funny when you have a song like this, which is clearly, you know, a knock on organized religion and the idea that somebody who is the uh, head of a church thinks they're going to tell you how to live your life. Uh, but then you have God gave rock and roll to you. So I think in a way, the whole idea of, you know, you can believe in whatever you want, but I think sometimes when people try and ram it down, I hate to say ram down your throat because then people get the wrong idea. But, hey, it's all in the church, and it's the kind of thing where, uh, you know, it's the kind of thing where you look at it and say, it, it, it is a response to that. And, and I, at the time, I mean, this is 1992, I knew exactly where he was coming from. And uh, not going to go into a long story on that, but I think definitely that response to that way kind of conservative kind of thinking, and uh, I, I like the song. Yeah, I, I can see that. Gary, thou shall not. I'm pretty predictable, right? If it's a Gene song, I'm more likely to enjoy it, and this is one of those. Um, I think lyrically, it's um, it's pretty powerful. It's a great, um, I guess, it's a great summary of some of his feelings about um, power and control uh, through religion. Um, he talks, you know, he sort of talks a little bit about his own ethnic origins. And I think musically, it's heavy and, and, and cool. I think it's a good song. I, I, or I really enjoy it, I guess. Um, you know, it's, it, I think Gene's material is very powerful on this record uh, and consistently strong throughout. Um, of Gene's songs, I think this is probably not the best one. Um, and I still really like it. Chris Sinzak? Well, I think it's about, I mean, I, I know the, the organized religion thing is part of the song, but I also think it's more of just a big middle finger to authority in general. It's kind of, right. it's a song to profess, you know, being yourself and doing what you want to do and not let, listening to other people. Um, I like the sentiment of the song, I, but I come from a good guitar player's background. When I listen to rock songs, I typically don't pay a ton of attention to the lyrics anyway. So, I mean, to me, I think it's a great Gene song, and I love the riff. I think it's one of the best riffs on the whole album. And it's this one kind of surprised me. I kind of this is one I thought over the years, you know, after this, I thought this one was sure to be played live because it has such a great live feel to it. And I love the the high uh, ringing guitar that goes through the whole song, and it's just a great song. And uh, I know he wrote a lot of this with one of the guys from Silent Rage. Mm -hmm. Um, and it does kind of sound like some of their stuff. So I got this is another one where, like with the black and blue thing, I question how much Gene had input into this song, or if this was something that was kind of already written and ready to go. Not that Gene would ever do that or anything, but um, <laughs> but no, I think either way, I think it's a really cool song, and it's one of my favorites on the album. I think lyrically, it, it definitely is something that is in Gene's wheelhouse, though. Sure. Yeah. 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 Chris Karam. I like this song too. It's it's a song I like the attitude of it, and you know, again, I'm just kind of reiterating what you guys have said. It's about you know telling off authority figures, but I think at this point in time, it was a really nice restatement of you know what Gene was about or what you know what his intentions were. You know, especially because this is the point where Gene was doing all those interviews where he was saying that I wasn't there in the '80s and I didn't give as much as I could have and. So to have a song like this on an album that's, again, you know, restating the band's purpose and trying to, you know, go back to 
not back to basics, but just back to doing some you know kick-ass rock and roll. I like it. It, it I think it's good. Uh, BJ? I like the song. I, I probably wouldn't say it's great, but I like it. It's definitely one of the better songs on the record. Um, I, I read a quote from Gene where he described the song as, My generation meets Go F Yourself. <laughs> so... I, guess that's I don't know if I want to give it that much credit. It's a cross between Destroyer and Go F Yourself. <laughs> I remember playing Creatures of the Night for people, and after Unmasked and stuff like that, it was always a tough sell to try to fit Kiss into the playlist of your party because you had Iron Maiden at the time, and you had Van Halen, and so on and so forth. So when people heard Creatures, it was like, whoa. And this album has some of that same effect, if that makes any sense. Yeah, totally. Now, BJ, you would disagree with that, right? I never went to parties. (laughs) (laughs) Alrighty then. Well played. Well played. Okay. So we have this uh, tough song, and then we have a ballad. Every time I look at you, Chris Karam. I think the reason for this song being on Revenge is because Forever had been such a big hit. Definitely, absolutely. You know, I mean, absolutely. obviously, you know, Forever had made the top ten, and it had, you know, made it saved Hot in the Shade. Um, I, I would say that this is a more mature song, and um, there's, you know, there's orchestration, Paul singing in a raspy voice. And uh, but this is another instance where you know Bob Ezrin has to replace somebody on the album, and um, Dick Wagner does the solo on this. Dick, who had uh, played on Destroyer, uh, done a lot of Alice Cooper albums back in the '70s, and uh, you know it's I think it's a good song. It's not outstanding or anything like that, but it it, it serves the purpose of having a ballad on the album. Okay, Gary, your thoughts on every time I look at you. It's funny when I saw Kiss in '92. They played forever, and before they played forever, Paul said some comment about, you know, last time we were here, we had this big hit single, and we never have hit singles, so we're going to release another one of these and get another hit single, and I think he was probably talking about every time I look at you. Right. And, um, you know, which, of course, didn't replicate the success story of, of forever. <clears throat> um, I think it's a good song. I mean, I like it a lot. Um I think the performances are strong on there. It's not Bruce on, on the lead guitar, I think. Is that right? I think that's someone else playing the, the lead. And um, I certainly can't really tell the difference. Uh, I think Bruce nailed it so perfectly in MTV Unplugged, where I think this song really came to life. Um, it's a nice break on the album and still a little bit of a momentum killer. Not because it's a ballad, just because it's one of those kinds of ballads. This was another one that Bruce plays bass on. Yes, yes. So he at least got to play on the track. Yeah. Dick Wagner plays the lead. So. I, I appreciate when Kiss have a slower song on a record, and I understand why if something works, you stick with that formula. And I think 
all the same that it, you don't have to play a, f- a formula to death just for the sake of, of having it work. What I mean by that is that I think Gene writes amazing ballads. And it'd be nice to have a Gene ballad on a, on a Kiss record. Right. I think they've tried that with things like We Are One. Right. Um, which didn't work for, I think, a lot of obvious reasons. But I think World Without Heroes was, you know, the standout track for a lot of people on The Elder. Right. Um, and don't forget, on Unplugged and Gene's solo album, the uh, See You Tonight. Yeah. But I don't think Kiss, the big Kiss, would release that as a ballad nowadays. Yeah, it's unfortunate, I think. Yeah. Okay, Chris Sinzak? I like the song. Um it's definitely not a it's not as good as forever i think forever is one of the best ballads they ever wrote but this one um i i think they were trying to play the game and uh i kind i have the joke i make is i liked it the first time i heard it when it was brian adams song everything i do i do it for you because <laughs> it sounds like a steal of that to me it always has um but it's it's a very well written song paul sings great on it Dick Wagner does an awesome solo on that song, you know, and I, you know, I'm sure Bruce could have laid down something equally as good. I think it was just a scheduling issue, but I think Dick Wagner did a tremendous job on the solo. But it's, it's a bit recycled compared to some uh, other stuff they've done. But I think it's a good song. Hmm. Matt Porter, you know, this is this is probably the out the song I would cut off this album. The uh, to me, and you both mentioned it forever. I think beats this one into the ground. I mean, I think Forever is a much better song. If you had to battle them head to head, I mean, what is you know, Forever had a ten on the Kenometer last month, so it was really you know something that uh, <laughs> how's this going to compare uh, lyrically? And then Chris, you mentioned earlier, you don't really listen to the lyrics as much. To me, I listen to these lyrics. These people sound wishy washy. You know, they're, they're it's I don't know, and it doesn't it doesn't fit with the rest of the album at all. As far as like really, you know, the rest of the album is is dirtier and grittier and sexier and then this one that's kind of just eh, like oh well oh forgive me here's flowers i got from the the gas station i don't know i just i don't <laughs> care for it at all and, and you know it just it just it rubs me the wrong way and especially at that time this is definitely not the song i was looking for bj <laughs> oh my! <laughs> That's your review. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I'm not anti-ballad, and I think Forever is a great song. But this is ridiculous. This song. This this song is about as forced and devoid of emotion as one of these songs could possibly be. It has about as much artistic merit as an ATM machine. It's just a pathetic <laughs> attempt. It's a pathetic oh, wow. attempt to write one. Chris mentioned uh, the Brian Adams song, which I think is a great song, very well written. I, I think, uh, I would say I like this song the first time I heard it when it was called When I See You Smile, because, huh. yeah, this is just a desperate yeah. attempt to have one of those songs, which every band, you know, there were so many bands at the time that were having hits with songs like this, and many of them were terrible. You know, you had a band like L.A. Guns, who the only uh, notoriety they really ever got was for that Ballad of Jane song. There were just so many examples like that, and it was just sad. This song was, clearly it was written with one purpose in mind, and that was to write one of these songs and try to get it on the radio. Yeah, but don't you think it deserves a little bit of credit for how it came off on the Unplugged show, though? Yeah, definitely. I have enjoyed this song. I still enjoy this song. I I, uh, don't have a sound effect like BJ does, (laughs) but uh, I actually like the track. We like what we like. BJ, dude, it's your it's your opinion, and that's why I love having you and everyone on podcast. I like I like the diversity of opinions. I, I will I will I will definitely say that um, you know this record 
w- was for me more of a winner than a, than a loser of a, a record and it's not it's still not nearly the the high five that I think people say it is I think I, I personally think it's a great album but it does have its flaws and it's mm-hmm. it's not uh, wise to ignore the flaws celebrate the high moments and point out what you like and what you don't like it's all it's all good it's all good definitely on the other hand every time i look at you is better than uh nothing can keep me from you so you, the one from the detroit rock city yes, movie yes yes <clears throat> i vastly prefer every time i look at you i, I want to tell you but i don't know where to start and i don't know what to do if you walked away Army, the good people at Podkist have allowed me this time to announce that starting June 1st, the Rock Strikes 10 podcast will celebrate 40 years of Kiss by doing 21 shows and 21 consecutive crazy nights of the Kiss song titles remain the same. From nothing to lose to right here, right now, and we'll cover every single studio album and we'll do it by playing zero Kiss songs. There's not enough time for me to explain, but if you're a Next Level Kiss fan, then go to iTunes and subscribe to Rock Strikes 10, and I will see you June 1st, only on... Rock Strikes 10! Our next track is Paralyzed, which dates back to the Hot in the Shade sessions. So, Chris Sinzak, please take this one away. This is one that I a lot of fans seem to not like. I like I like the music for it. I don't know that you know, the lyrics aren't all all that great, but uh, the, I think it makes up for it in the music. I, 
it's definitely one of the obscure filler tracks that but you know sometimes obscure filler tracks are just what you want to hear you know it's this is a song that made no attempt to try to be a single or to try to be commercial but i like the fact that it's that way i i think it's a good one um and it's one of those where i think jeans throw it against the wall and see if it sticks method works because it's good although i would really love to hear the alternate take that i heard that they recorded this song and had a rapper in the middle section i would really like to hear oh. that just to hear what it sounds like but um well i really i really i really like the song at least musically i think it's a great song here's what the argentine cassette and vinyl release of this of the album included an alternate version of the song that has an extended mumbling break section twice as long on the international version of the album. So if you ever wanted to have more mumbling from Gene Simmons, that's the one you want to try to hunt down. <laughs> Gary, your thoughts on Paralyzed? I really like it. Unless I'm mistaken, this is a, a song in which there's Gene's vocals are double-tracked. He sings, he sings his line, and then he sings it an octave lower. Yeah. I think that that's a great effect. Um... You don't hear that too often in a Kiss song. No. Um, and it sounds really badass to me. Yeah. Um, and then there's the enhanced mumbling. <laughs> right. I don't know what he's mumbling. What is Nobody he mumbling? does. Nobody does. Okay. I never thought it would so much Well, it's not so bad. I don't know. You know, that whole middle thing, it's, you know, who knows? And then the funny thing is, to me, I always kind of wondered at the time if it was almost a rip on grunge, the whole idea like he's, you know, kind of complaining that everything is so bad and, you know, the... Uh, and yet, but it's all right. It's all right. In a way, that was kind of always, I thought it was kind of a joke. Is Like, here he is complaining about how bad things are, but, but it's all right. It's all right. And it's the kind of thing where... I'm not really sure what he's going for, you know, to tell you the truth. Like, and then again, it's a good song when you're maybe not having a good day or if you have a hundred degree fever, you're kind of feeling that way, right? Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> BJ? Yeah, I think it's just kind of a mediocre song. I think like with a lot of this album, I think the melody took a backseat to the music. And I guess the kind of songwriting I prefer is where the melody is the most important part. Or, you know, it's more about the melody. And a lot of revenge is more about the riffs, which, you know, when you, the best kind of song, I guess, is when you, the riffs and the melody, you know, both come together perfectly. But, uh, yeah, I, I just don't think this is a great song. Chris Karam. It's a, it's a good song. I mean, it's not a song that I would put on a playlist or a CDR, but if it comes up on the iPod or if I'm listening to the album, I can enjoy it. Uh, <clears throat> I always thought that that part where the spoken part, it, it sounds to me like he's saying, not so bad, Jesus. And, and then it just kind of trails off into the solo. Um, they did use the intro of this song um, as the intro music for the Kiss Confidential video cassette that came out the year. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And, you know, that's probably one of the more notable things about it. But I like it. It's, 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 a, it's a decent song. I don't think it's a bad song. I don't think it's, you know, certainly doesn't uh, rank in the top ten either. But it's, it's cool. Yeah, I like, I, this is a real groove on this song. It, listen, to be fair... Um, I think in much the same way that uh, Heart of Chrome is like Tough Love 2 yeah. I think this song is like Spit 2 Exactly I like the chord changes though mm 
Our next track is I Just Want. This song was originally I Just Wanna Forget You, which was eventually shortened, written by Paul Stanley Vinnie Vincent. This would be one of Paul's favorite songs on the Revenge album. It would also serve as a radio single and a video for the promotion of the album. I think it was a mistake to do this as a single myself. Hmm. Gary, your thoughts on I Just Wanna? Great fun in concert. Uh-huh. And I like the video. And I think it's a fun song to sing. I mean, who doesn't want to, <laughs> who doesn't enjoy singing that chorus, right? Well, anyone with a maturity level of... No, uh, but... Uh, hey! Yeah. I resemble that. I represent that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. Chris Karen? I love this song. I, I think it's one of the best songs on the album. It's just, it's got such a drive and such a, an intensity about it. I, I mean, you know, the whole pho thing is a bit childish, but, you know, at the time... Really? I probably didn't think so, because I was a little more childish back then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um... I don't know, you know, maybe it wasn't a good choice for a single, but I just, I just love it. It's, you know, it's been pointed out that there's a similarity to this in Summertime Blues, Mm -hmm. you know, by The Who, and I I guess I can kind of hear it, but there's just, I don't know, Paul just gives, turns in such a great performance on this, I mean, they all do, and I think it's a great way to kind of end the album, so to speak, and... I don't know, I, I just, I think it's a great song. Summertime Blues actually goes back to Eddie Cochran. So yeah. the who actually oh, I know. covered I know that. it. So, um, Chris Sinzak? Uh, I echo Chris's sentiment. I love the song. I think it was a good choice as a single. If well, you know, and you know, and this is one of the interesting things that happens when we record these things. Um, you guys give me takes on things that I don't really consider, and I'll I will give BJ this. Um, you're all right. That it's definitely not a strong album for Paul. This is more of a Gene album because Gene I think has more of the standout songs on this album. Um, if Paul had a standout song on this album, I'd say this is it. Um, it's yeah, it's it does have a summertime blues feel, but I thought for the early '90s it was a welcome song. You know, it, it's uh, this was kind of them spitting in the face of the grunge sound, in my opinion. This has a good melodic. This is a good melodic rock song, in my opinion. I like it. I thought that the uh, part I, I remember seeing the video and the part where they have that wake up baby. You know, it just kind of dropped the energy that the video had when they got to that point. Matt Porter, your thoughts on I Just Wanna? You know, I, I agree with Chris. I think that it it's childish in a way that almost like, are you going to curse? Is he going to curse? Like, you know, you know, I just want to, uh, we're singing about strippers and we're singing about the devil and I'm just going to, oh, I'm not going to, am I going to curse? No. Oh, but really it's, and you can bleep this if you want, but it's fuck them and forget them. It's like, hey, look, uh, you know, it's <laughs> nice to rock, see you. <laughs> I think it was, and the uh, you know I, think it, I like the sentiment of that. You know the I think it's it's one of those songs that definitely you do crank up, you do sing along to. Does it 
channel to your 10 year old self who's still thinking about uh you know cursing words and then you know things like that but uh you know it really uh i, I like the song that's right yes this is one of the songs he yeah vinnie was co-written vinnie yeah, yeah vinnie, co- vinnie heart of chrome so i can blame him for that um <laughs> but, <laughs> I was like, no, unholy great he did he stand out great great stuff and then Heart of Chrome, and then I just wanna. I like. I really love the vocals on this. I think the wake up baby part. There's so many great uh, vocal things. I mean, Ezrin is is genius like this, and the the breakdown in um, take it off. The you know, ooh, move your sweet body closer. You know that yeah, part. Yeah, that, and then that you get the cool. God gave rock and roll, and I just wanna has that wake up baby. Yeah. Yeah. I just you know once again just Bruce really. Hitting it, tearing out it of the up ballpark. as usual. Yeah. All right, BJ. Yeah, I love this song. This is my favorite song on the record. I think it's great, and I think the, the "I Just Want to Fuh" thing works. I think it's just clever enough. I think it's funny, and I think it's fun. And I think definitely the verse melody of the song was like a conscious homage to "Summertime Summertime Blues." I don't think it was mm-hmm. a ripoff, right? You know. But um, they might. It might. Maybe it should have said Stanley Vincent Cochran. You know, <laughs> right? <it's, laughs> but I think it's great, and I think it was a great idea for a single. This, uh, what's really weird about Revenge for me is my two favorite songs are the two singles, which you know that's hardly ever the case. But you know, I would say Unholy and this are my, definitely my two favorite songs on the album. This would hmm. also be one of the first tracks heard by the public in early April '92. Los Angeles record station KQLZ FM caused the ire of Kiss's record label by playing an advanced copy of I Just Wanna nearly a month before the debut single from the band's album was due to be released. In the case of the debut single, it was intended to be unholy for most markets, not I Just Wanna. By April 13th, Polygram had issued a cease and desist order against the radio station playing the song, which was an apparently an early mix and not the final album version. So they should you know, take isn't it. it weird that they stuck it at the end of the record? Yeah, I think they wanted to finish on a high note on it. That's I think that was why. Well, and they were probably, I don't know, maybe they were a little weary of saying, how dark should we go on this album? Should we put something a little more up-tempo near the end of it? But mm-hmm. I do want to mention, I, you know, I had mentioned it, this is one of the few uh, Kiss songs to feature a slide guitar solo, and I think it's mm-hmm. a really good solo. There was one time I made a different mix of Revenge, and this is the kind of thing that Kiss nerds would do. But I swapped this song out with God Gave Rock and Roll to You, and I liked how it ended that and then went into the car jam. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just me being weird. Our next track is Car Jam. Chris Sinzak, please take it away. Oh, it's it's awesome. I mean, I you know, of course, I'm a big Eric Carr fan, and... I was happy to see them give him this much attention on the album. You know, they dedicated the album to him also. So, you know, regardless of whatever stories you've heard about treatment and everything, on my show even, um, I thought uh, it was I thought it was a very respectful thing that Paul and Gene did by putting that on there. And, it, you know, they didn't have to do that. They could have just uh, dedicated the album to him and left it at that. But it's a great riff, and I love how the, I, you know, I love the riff when Ace did it as Breakout, you know. And uh, I thought it was... Uh, it was a great tip of the hat to Eric, and I love the drums. I'm not a big fan of drum solos, but I really I listen to it every time it's on. Gary, your thoughts on Car Jam? It's it. There it is. It sure is. <laughs> well, to me, it's like a sentimental thing. Yes. It's it's kind of like uh, 
we had someone pass away in my family this week and some of the pictures we have of some of the people that we've loved they're not really good pictures but because it's what's there they become cherished and this is how I look at this it's not that it's a bad performance or an over you know an, an amazing performance or anything it's kind of just something Eric did one day it wasn't uh, meant for to be something that immortalized him but no like no I, said, I know it's that. one of the pictures we have so, although I think this was this was a little bit meant to be kind of his Moby Dick moment right possibly there's yeah there's some uh, bottom stuff in there but I you know it's such a he's such a great he was such a great drummer and such a treasure to to kiss in the kiss absolutely. army that what's that absolutely yeah i, I yeah. I'm, I'm just saying that if eric Carr said now listen we're going to do like this uh you know one minute drum jam i think he would have really done something amazing but you know like i said it's a it's a picture of its time and I'm I'm glad we have that picture of Eric. So. Me too. Me too. And I think it was a, a very sweet thing to put on the end of that record. I think it works. It was very nice. Very nice. And and it's it's something we all we can always kind of cling to as fans. So. Yeah. BJ. Yeah, it was a nice tribute to Eric Carr. It was a great inclusion, and you know, it was it made sense to put it at the end of the record and close it out that way. And it was yeah, it was nice. Matt. Yeah, you guys summed it up. I mean, that's really it. It was at a time when we were all really concerned about what would happen with Kiss, and and obviously sad by the fact that Eric Carr had died. I thought it was a fantastic tribute to him. Like you said, a lot of the time a drum solo. You know, maybe that's when everybody goes and gets a beer. But I think you don't skip this song because it is a nice way of remembering Eric on the album. According to Gene, we wanted to have Eric Carr play with us one last time. So, Chris Karam. I like this song. Um, when I was listening to it uh, yesterday in preparation for the show, uh, one of the things that I heard during the drum solo, I could actually hear little bits of John Bonham in that solo. And I say that in a complimentary way because obviously Eric was a huge Led Zeppelin fan, as you know, I think all the guys in Kiss were. Um, I like it. You know, a lot of uh, has been made about the fact that they overdubbed Bruce onto this song. And, but part of me wonders if Ace had actually played on the original because this was recorded during, uh, you know, music from the Elder. And, you know, it was noted that uh, Ace didn't show up in Canada when they moved the sessions there. So, you know, I don't even know if Ace had played on the original, if he'd recorded some tracks for it. But I think it's really good. I think it's a nice way to pay uh, tribute to Eric Carr. And, you know, it's you have this record that, you know, you're introducing one guy, one guy, Eric Singer, you're bringing him into the mix, and he really plays his ass off on this album. Yet at the same time, you get some closure with Eric Carr. They make their tribute by, by putting this on there, and um, I, you know, I, think it's, I thought it was really cool. Hmm. Uh, on the Argentine version of this album, I, I really need to pick this up. <laughs> <laughs> Another minor difference surfaces during the count into the song. On the standard version, the count goes two, one, two, three. On the Argentine version, you get a bonus one, making the count one, two, one, two, three. So, extra no, Eric Carr mumbling. Yes, extra. Yes, extra mumbling. So, so you have to buy the extra copy for that. Exactly. I hear one. Without the extra one, I think. <laughs> you should just reissue it as a deluxe edition, and you know, here's the regular edition. Here's the extra mumble version. 
<laughs> well, let's look at the singles um, on the U.S. Billboard mainstream rock tracks. God gave rock and roll to you. Reached 21. Went to number four on the U.K. singles chart. And Switzerland also had a number four in the top 100 there. Unholy reached the U.K. singles chart 26. And Norway it went to number two. So that's pretty interesting. Domino went to number 26 in the U.S. mainstream Billboard rock tracks. I Just Wanna reached as high as 34 on the Billboard mainstream rock tracks. And every time I look at you, went to the Sweden singles top 60 at number 31. The album was certified gold. Switzerland loves revenge. Apparently. It's weird that they had a lot of love from Britain, uh, from Crazy Nights to this. I, I've never understood why they didn't hit bigger over there. Hi, this is Eric Singer of Kiss, and you're listening to Pod Kissed. Well, did we want to talk about the tour at all? Yeah, absolutely. I remember Paul, uh, as a matter of fact, I'll probably play this right now, but Paul would always say that this album has the biggest dick of any album we've ever put out, or the biggest balls. Just in case you didn't know, we're not going on tour till August, but we feel so fucking fired up about this new album that we had to come out and spend tonight with a thousand of our closest motherfucking rock and roll fans right here in Brooklyn. This album's called Revenge. And I'll tell you something, this album's got the biggest dick any album of ours has had in a long time. You're gonna like this one. Here's a song called Unholy. They really, they really wanted to promote that. One or the other. <laughs> yeah, one or the other, or both. Both. Boy, some great imagery right there. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I don't really care if my albums or CDs have dicks or balls. They're just <laughs> CDs. So. Anyway. I heard Unmasked has the biggest elbow. <laughs> yes, Unmasked has the biggest elbow. Oh, Gary Shallow's going to get you for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Sorry, Gary. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, that's cool. This one's called A Hundred Thousand Years! Oh, no. 
So let's talk about the tour. You know, I didn't even get to answer you, and I literally am having chills run up my back. Um, uh-huh. Just thinking about seeing Kiss, my first Kiss concert, 1992, October 9th, Meadowlands, New Jersey. I, it's hard to imagine a more satisfying first Kiss concert for me. Maybe having seen the, maybe if the reunion Kiss had been my first Kiss concert, that might have been more satisfying. But I also think about the, the the musicality of this lineup, how tight they were, what incredible vocals there were right across the board, um, and the the sheer bombast of it. Sure, the the arena wasn't nearly full, and yes, it wasn't the impact of seeing you know the full makeup, blah 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 blah. But you had this you know this crazy stage and so much freaking energy on, on stage from the four guys. And the set list was just, I think this is one of the few KISS concerts I've, I've attended, maybe the only, where I really didn't know what they were going to play going in. And right. as someone who'd been a fan since, since I was five years old with my, you know, the, like, getting KISS Alive as my first full KISS record um, after Gene's solo album, and just one after another, unbelievable, heavy, perfect, fantastic KISS songs, watching you and... Uh, Hotter Than Hell and Firehouse and oh, Parasite, Christine 16. I, I couldn't have asked for a better set list. I mean, what, a, what an amazing lineup. Chris? 
Yeah, I saw them the day after my birthday, November 6, 1992, in Nashville, and they played a little place called the Municipal Auditorium here. Back in those days, that was the only arena we had. Nashville was still pretty podunk back then. Um, I saw them. I, Trickster and Great White opened the show. Trickster sucked. Great White was awesome. Um the place was packed you know i know there's a lot of bad attendance numbers for this tour but uh nashville turned out in droves i think the whole i think it was just about a sellout which is, i mean of course municipal auditorium only held, held about eight to nine thousand people i think so um but it was nice to see a full arena for them uh loved the stage show loved the, the set list was incredible i mean it was one of the best set lists they ever put together having them open with creatures was awesome i liked the spinal tap-esque stage show with the statue of liberty's face coming off and giving the finger i i just I, and the strippers of course i thought it was a uh, it was a great time and you know imagine being a teenager seeing that you know it was awesome i loved every minute of that show one of the best shows i ever saw matt porter yeah, I agree. I, it was funny because we got that um, club tour stopped in Philadelphia, which was, I think, ranks up as one of the greatest Kiss shows I've seen. It was off the hook crazy because you're seeing Kiss in this tiny stage with like no stage show, really. I mean, as minimal as you can imagine. And they're pulling out all these old songs, and it was aggressive, and it was a it was a rowdy one of the rowdier shows I could think of being in. And I always think it's funny looking back at it, and we were talking like 1990, 92 here, or whatever. If they had done the Kiss cruises in '92, like now it's family entertainment, but in '92 it was a it was they were going for a little bit more of an edgy, you know. Um, an edgy time and uh i really i love that show i mean and then we were lucky because the uh the full tour kicked off in allentown which is like really close to me so that was in october and we got to see the opening night of that and i mean like you said they're opening with creatures of the night uh, i saw that tour again in philly uh at the spectrum and you know it, it was a fun time i think it was also one of those things you you did start to see smaller crowds maybe they wasn't packed to the rafters but it really was the diehard fans. I mean, it was the people that had stuck with them uh -huh. that were now still coming out to the shows that were excited to be at a KISS show. I mean, I can remember going to these shows and just seeing tons of people that I knew, which is now it seems crazy because now you know everybody. Oh, you're the one from the Internet. At the time, you just <laughs> saw your friends. You know what I mean? And it was just and I do remember hanging with a lot of people at these shows and just having a blast. And I mean. Having the strippers on the stage. Look, when I was 24 years old, that wasn't a bad thing. You know, now you might be a little bit like, oh, kids, you know, hey, look, there's strippers on the stage. But but it was fun. You know, it was like, uh, it was a fun time. And I think it was a fun time to be a KISS fan. Chris, Karen. Well, of course, I saw the show at the Worcester Centrum, uh -huh. which seemed to be the place I saw most, a lot of KISS shows at. And um, I remember this was the first tour where they opened up with that drone, you know, that opening. Uh-huh. And then, of course, the thing that I, I remember also is like once they started playing Creatures of the Night, that the explosion that they had was huge. It was one of the biggest explosions at a Kiss show up to that point. Um, but yeah, it was a great show. Um, you know, great stage set. They were obviously you know doing like they did in the Hot in the Shade tour, where they were digging back into the catalog again. Uh -huh. This time they were bringing songs like Parasite back, and they had this great album, this great new album. But they, they were also embracing the past again. I think it's kind of interesting that Creatures of the Night was the opening song. It's a great song, but if you really look at this time in history, um, history was repeating itself again. 
you know, here it is, ten years after Creatures, and it's the same scenario. They have this really great album that's a restatement of purpose, Kisses Back, they're, they're making heavy music again, they're making really good music again, but the tour, the tour just isn't happening for them in terms of attendance. It's, people are not, I mean, the diehards like us went to the shows, but the general public at that point couldn't be bothered. They just, they weren't coming in. You know, like the Creature Store, they had to cancel it. And it's a shame because they had such a great show and such a, you know, not just in terms of the theatrical aspect, but the performance aspect. This this uh, lineup was really tight. And when Kistory came out a few years ago and they had this show from Detroit, I was like, wow, I really miss this lineup in a lot of ways. It was, it was definitely a killer lineup. The, the shows were just absolutely stunning and amazing. Great lineup, great songs, great set list. Nothing to complain about, really. Well... Thank you guys for being part of this look at revenge. Um, Can I ask, um, has anyone heard the song Do You Want to Touch Me Now that Paul wrote with Snake Sabo? Nobody's heard it as far no. as I know. Yeah. yeah. I know Bruce came on three sides and talked to them, and he played like literally three right. seconds of the intro, and that was yeah. it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it, though. Yeah. And there's also yeah. a song that Paul wrote with Janie Lane for the album, I think. Yeah, he did. That, that's never been on a bootleg or anything I don't think Mm-mm. it's strange that this stuff hasn't made uh, made it to the light of day yeah I know well you never know I mean it seems like every year or so that a bunch of kiss a bunch of kiss demos get leaked on the internet so you know there's always hope yeah well thank you for being part of this revenge discussion gentlemen what would you like to promote Chris Sinzak take it away as usual I'm doing uh, Decibel Geek Podcasts uh, we put out a show every Monday if you haven't heard it have done lots of Kiss related ones and even if we don't do a Kiss related show you'll hear about Kiss every week because we're nerds go to decibelgeek.com to listen to those and uh, find us on iTunes I loved your Beatles episode so much that I had to crash it so <laughs> yeah, thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. And uh, that, was, that was a highlight. Matt, what would you like to promote? I'd like to promote the Decibel Geek podcast. Wow, that late that Beatles episode was a lot of fun. No, I'm just kidding. That was good. The uh <laughs> of course the kissroom.com. You all know about the kissroom.com. We just did a live one depending on when you listen to that. Go to the links page on the kissroom.com. I have links to just about every podcast that I'm really aware of. I think you're all on there. So it's uh, you know, the kissroom.com. BJ? Well, most of the people listening probably hate me after this episode, but um, <laughs> I do a podcast called Rock and or Roll. Uh, you can find it at rockandorrollpodcast.blogspot.com, and I have a few KISS episodes coming up. I have an interview I did with John Montgomery, who was in Street Punk, who played oh, with cool. KISS at the Hotel Diplomat in 73, and that show, uh, that was when Bill Coyne first saw the band, and John Montgomery actually overheard the conversation where Bill Coyne was saying he wanted to represent Kiss. So, and he has, you know, we didn't only talk about Kiss, but he has some Kiss stories in there. And um, I got a couple episodes coming up about uh, Kiss in the 80s, too. So, well, we'd like to thank everybody for being on this show. Thank you guys, and uh, thank you, Gary. And uh, anything mm. you'd like to say in closing, bro? Always a pleasure, and glad to do it. And thanks everyone for being on. And I'm looking forward to the Carnival of Souls roundtable. It should be fun. Not sure when it'll happen, but it will happen. So we'd like to say thank you for listening, and God bless. We'll see you next time, podcast. And that is our show. Thanks again for listening. Be sure to check us out on the web at www.podcast.com. 
You can also find us on Facebook and on iTunes. If you'd like to contact the podcast, please drop us a line at podcast at gmail.com. Big thanks to Julian and everyone at kissfaq.com. They've got great information there and a terrific message board, too. Thanks also to Keith LaRue and everyone else at Kiss Online for their great work representing the hottest band in the land. And as always, a big thanks to Paul Stanley, Gene Simmons, Ace Fraley, Peter Chris, Vinnie Vincent, Bruce Kulick, Eric Singer, Tommy Thayer, and the memory of the late great Eric Carr, and the late great Mark St. John. You are KISS, and we are your army. Podcast is created by the KISS Army for the KISS Army, and it is available for free as an internet download. If you like what you hear on our show, go buy it and support the people who made it. Podcast is not affiliated with KISS or any of its members past or present. On behalf of myself, Ken, and the whole rest of the Podcast crew, thank you for listening to Podcast, the KISS fanzine for your ears. KTEL presents the stupidest moments of Podcast. Gilbert Gottfried sings. Shit. I remember the time I was lonely without you. And I said, who steers the ship through the stormy sea? (laughs) There's a child in a sundress looking at a rainy sky. I got a body built for sin and an appetite for passion. How would Gilbert Godfrey do I Love It Loud? Stand up. You don't want to be afraid. Get down. Love is like a hurricane. Doc, calling Dr. Love. They call me Dr. Love. Shock me. That's the cure you're thinking of. Shock me. Your lightning's all I need. (laughs) No, as Gilbert Godfrey, you fool. Uh, Okay, it would sound like this. Your lightning's all I need. Your lightning's all I need. Hey, your lightning's all I need. My satisfaction grows. <laughs> uh, you make me feel at ease. Gilbert uh, Godfrey does. Gilbert Godfrey also does. She. Yeah, she walks by moonlight. No one really knows. <laughs> get away by Gilbert Godfrey. I gotta get away. I don't. I don't want to stay. <laughs> I don't really want to stay. I'm leaving tomorrow uh, by subway. And of course, hard luck, woman. If never I'd met you, I'd never have seen you cry. If not for the first hello, eh, we'd never have to say goodbye. All this and more on K-Tells. Gilbert Godfrey kisses my butt. Kind of a takeoff on Kiss My Ass. <laughs> Gilbert I... Godfrey sings Car Jam. Casablanca records and tapes. That's terrible. It is. You are listening to the Podkiss Network. You're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. That's right, gang. You requested it. Finally, a monthly monkeys podcast is coming your way. Follow us as we discuss the adventures of Mickey, Mike, Davey, and Peter. That's right, the monkeys. Take some time out of your busy day and monkey around with us. So join us on Zilch, the podcast full of monkeys. Check out these ads for the following shows. We're proud to call these guys the friends of the Podkiss Network. We are one. 
That's right, Kiss Army. We're having a rock and roll party, and you are invited. Tune into the Strange Ways Kiss Podcast and hang out with your Kiss Army brothers, Jody Habnock, Clinton Harris, and D Rock. Join us where we celebrate and discuss the gods of thunder. That's Strange Ways Kiss Podcast. You can find us on Facebook or Podomatic.com. We'll see you there. You wanted the best, you got the best. And if you want the hottest show on Monco Radio, join us in the Kiss Room. The Kiss Room is a monthly radio broadcast celebrating the hottest band in the world. It's your place for all things Kiss and some... For broadcast dates and all information, go to thekissroom.com. The Kiss Room broadcasts live and worldwide on Monco Radio, where music and minds meet. This is a really big moment. Hi, I'm Cassius Morris, host of Kiss Podcast, Creatures of the Net. Our show content includes current events of the hottest band in the land, exclusive interviews, and the trials and tribulations of being a KISS fan. You can check out our show at www.creaturesofthenet.com and on Facebook or Twitter. And if you don't know the website name by now, we'll see you here. History Science Theater. The most civilized? Oh, Oh, f***. Come on. Respectful. Just imagine Gene with like a with like a washtub bath. And serious. No way. Excuse me, Bob. You're gonna come over and do my album. Kiss podcast on the web. History science theory. We bust balls because we care. All right. No more, Mister Nice Guy. Oh, you gonna say something or no? Not really. I'm, okay. I always want to say something. You know what? I'm hearing things out of the side of my head. Something, Th- anything. Steve, anything. great question, Steve. Let's move on to Wichita. Talk to Josh, listening to us on KICT 95. Hi, Josh. Hi. First of all, I'd like to say, I uh, love all you guys. You are really great. And I was wondering if, Gene, would you say hi to Alex McAllister? Sure. Can I get you a sandwich while I'm at it? <laughs> <laughs> Any, anything? He's like the biggest fan I know. Okay, he tell loves me. you guys. He tell- has a- Cards and everything. Tell me exactly what you want me to say. I am your servant. <laughs> Hi, Alex McAllister. Hi, Alex McAllister. And uh, I was wondering, this question's for Eric. Um, how do you feel about being the newest member in the band? You know, it's already been a year and a half, so I don't feel like it's that new anymore. Um, these guys have accepted me with like open arms, and I feel like part of the... Uh, oh, Gene's got a gun to my head. Um, I feel like uh, everything's... You know, been a really smooth transition. Everyone gets along with me really good, and uh, you know, it's that's what it's supposed to be all about. You know, having fun, just making music. So, you know, it's happened so good that I don't even feel like it's new. You know. Mm-hmm. Now, you played with Sabbath, and you also played with a guy that put on a pretty good show, Alice Cooper. Did either of these acts prepare you for what you would experience live with these guys? Uh, well, everything you do right. kind of preps you. You know, that's I went through a lot of different stuff with different people, so it kind of kind of honed my craft a little bit and uh, learned some tricks of the road and what it's like to all be in a band and deal with it all. So, you know, because being, being in KISS is a big responsibility, as I found out. It's not just about the music. It's like the fans really are unlike any other fans. They have extreme loyalty. And you have to be willing to give of yourself a lot of time and commitment to those fans because they, you know, deserve it and expect it. 
The lines have been ringing since 5 Pacific Coast time. You better believe the fans are there. Thank you, Josh. Let's move to Memphis, Tennessee. Talk to John. Johnny, rather, listening to Rock 103 there. Hey, Johnny. Hi. First, I'd like to say I was fortunate enough to see Kiss play the Stone in San Francisco on the club tour before Revenge. That's a great show. definitely something I'll never forget. Yeah. That was my first show. This is Eric. Huh? Really? Yeah. And Eric Singer, you're, you're just badass, man. That's all I got to say on the drum. Thanks, man. Thanks. You're killer. Calling from Coral Springs down in Florida, listener of 103, she in Fort Lauderdale. Welcome to Rockline, Jason. Thank you. How you guys doing? All right. Uh, your station's named after a Kiss song, huh? Yeah. Congratulations on your 20th anniversary. Thank you. Looks like 1993 will be the year of Kiss. All right. Uh, my question is, was it tough to leave off songs like War Machine and Love Gun off the Alive 3 album? Much nope. tougher to leave off Love Gun. Who wrote that? Can you tell me? favorite writer my favorite It was like pulling teeth, actually. We, we really, it was like, poop. Tongue's too big. You, you it's catching. Say. You try sitting down uh, out of 200 tunes and pick 16, okay? Yeah, it's a tough choice. Tough choice. And you know, when I first saw Star Spangled Banner before I heard it, I thought, oh, why did they do that? Then I heard it, Bruce. Okay. Beautiful. Thank you. Beautiful, it was fitting choice. to the whole stage you show bet. and what we, do, what we were doing that year. You know? And the version is incredible. Great. Incredible version. And Thank you, Jason. For the great. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> great. Paul, you wrote saying that well. Bruce sings so well, Bruce. Thank you, Jason. Let's move on to Keene, New Hampshire. Talk to Chris, a listener of WAAF. That's 107.3 in Boston. Hi, Chris. Hi, how you doing? Hi, Chris. Hi, how are you? Okay. Good. Hey, I wanted to tell you guys, first of all, that you sound and look better than ever. Um, I realized that when I saw you from the front row when you played the, the club tour in Boston. I caught you there. Um, incredible, all four of you, right. I gotta tell you. Really? Thank you. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that was not a retouched picture, right? <laughs> oh, no, no. Hey, In the I, flesh. I tried, but I couldn't retouch anything. I couldn't Amazing. touch it the first time. I couldn't retouch it. So, I mean, you know. You couldn't hey, touch anyway. it the first time? What was Wait, that? Oh, never, never mind, never mind. <laughs> it was a double on It's a family program, Chris. What's your question? My question is, um, KISS has, has gone through more than its share of ups and downs and good times and bad times throughout the year, but you guys have never given up. And I was wondering, how have you managed to hang on even during all the bad times? I think um, the most important thing is that you're not in this for um, the big success or the down periods. You do something because you love doing it. When we first started playing music, it was because we loved rock and roll. And rock and roll should be like the blues. It should be the kind of thing you do until you die. People never said, oh, Howlin' Wolf, you're not selling as many records this year as last year. Or maybe you're getting older. When are you going to quit? I mean, rock and roll is something that if you truly love it, it's not about being a pop star and how many albums you sell this year or what restaurant you can go to. It's in your blood. And if it's in your blood, then you love doing it. That is a great answer. Fi Confucius, I, I finally looked it up. Confucius <laughs> said, find a job you like, you never work another day. That is a great answer, Paul Stanley. Thank you so much, and thank you, Chris, for the call. One question, correct? Let's move to Modesto, California, and talk to Drew then. Listener of 95.1, KDJK. KDJK. Kiss. Yeah. yeah. How you guys doing? Good. All right. God, I'm, it's great to talk to you guys. I've, I saw you guys in Sacramento and in Oakland. You guys rock really hard. All right. Um, I was wondering, Eric, my question's for you. All right. How long have you been playing drums, man? Well, let me see. Most, uh, way more than most of my life. Actually, I've been playing since I was about 10 or 11 years old, and I'm 35 now. Subtraction and there you go. We're about 23, 24 years, something mm -hmm. like that. How'd you get to be into, I mean, you played with Lita Ford and... Uh, and I have pictures, too. Pictures of him as a baby. 11-year-old drummer. Okay. Playing with Lita Wait, Ford. Go ahead, I'm sorry. Uh, you have, uh, you played with Lita Ford and uh, Black Sabbath. How did you get all these jobs? Because I play drums, too, and I was wondering. How did you know? I get all these jobs? 
Well, <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Side of the highway. We'll you know, work for food. Yeah, ex <laughs> exactly. You know, you see these people with the signs. I was the first one to do that when I moved here. No, actually, I think, uh, you know, there's no set formula for anything. You just got to be in the right place at the right time. You got to have a lot of desire. And uh, But once you get your foot in the door, everything's like a chain link fence. It, one thing leads to another. And, uh, you know, this is where I ended up. And for those of you who aren't that familiar with Kiss songs and thought we might be playing Van Morrison's Domino, no, no, no. Oh, Not at all. Domino. Domino. <laughs> Get that cheers on the radio. On the radio. You, maybe you guys on should On the radio. Do that. Into the Mystic. That's great. Yeah, beautiful song. Yeah.